Hi, you're listening to the Coding Black Females podcast, where we'll be sharing recordings of our events and inspirational stories and discussions from black women in tech. We are joined by Coding Black Female, Olivia Campbell, who tells us about her career change into tech and how she's been keeping herself busy during the lockdown. Hi, Olivia. How are you? I'm okay. Fantastic. Um, Thank you for agreeing to do the podcast with us today. It's quite exciting to have you as the first podcast person. So I'm really excited to hear (laughs) all the things that you've done to inspire people and how you're coping with COVID-19 and and what you do in tech, really. So could you give us a quick intro about yourself? Okay, so I'm Olivia. I'm a cold and black female. I've been working in tech for three years now after doing a career change from doing an admin role in higher education. Oh, cool. Okay, that sounds interesting. Um, So you did a career change. How did you find that? What was that like? It was... It was a challenge because it was something that I should have done a very, very long time ago. Um, But I didn't know that my natural hobbies and interests from gaming and computing, I could actually turn into a career. Um, The reason for that is because I didn't see anyone that looked like myself in the tech scene. And I didn't know that the skills I have, for example, I used to spend time repairing um, Samsung Galaxy phones before um, all phones became like one unit. because to me, I was always curious about how uh, things were built, how things were put together. And my general knowledge of computing, I thought everyone knew how to um, set up a computer. And it didn't come to light when I moved office one day. Everyone was standing around and I was like, well, what's everyone waiting for? And it's like, oh, we're waiting for the IT guy to connect our computers up. And I said, well, the cables are there. You can just do it. And they were like, oh, we don't know how. And I was thinking, don't these people have computers at home (laughs) so I I just started connecting up computers together and everyone was just amazed and it's always throughout work people were saying like you know you're really good with computers why why are you not doing something with computers and I always just um, ignored that idea and it just kept coming back coming back so it wasn't until my company went through restructuring I thought you know what I'm going to quit my job um um, because I could afford to, because um, uh, at that time I didn't have any uh, responsibilities um, and no one was depending on me, therefore I could take a career break and find out something that I really wanted to do instead. Um, so that's what led me into uh, getting into technology um, because um, after talking to people, they were like, oh, have you thought of being a developer? And I was like, no, because I was quite naive back then. I didn't know a developer is someone that um, works with computers. For me, the term developer meant like someone that did architecture. So that was a learning curve for myself. And then as many people might have discovered themselves, like when you start to code, it's like, where do you start? People tell you to learn all these different languages. And for me, it was one of those ones where, you know, just pick a language, worry about the rest later. Um, and so I went, I, I attended many meetups as possible. Um, so common ones like Code Bar, um, that was a good meeting ground to, to meet people who 
are trying to learn more about coding and also meeting people, the coaches that do it as an everyday um, career. And also going to as many conferences because at that time there were lots of scholarships that you could apply for. Um, so that made it a good way to network. And also um, going to careers fair, even though I wasn't ready to get a job, it was great to have an insight of what I might want to do later on. Um, and then it got to a point where it's like, you only know what you know. So yes, you can learn online, but it gets to a point where it's like, well, what are the things I really need to hone down on? So like many people, they might have done a coding bootcamp if they hadn't done a computer science degree. So I went down that route. Um, and yes, there was no guarantee. They made it quite clear. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a job afterwards. Yeah. But it's one of those ones I just took the risk because um, I thought it's like either do something or do nothing. And so I just took the risk and just did it. And it's like, yes, um, it was an intense nine week boot course at the wagon. Wow. Um, I don't, at that time, because information was thrown at you, I don't even remember everything at that point of time. Mm -hmm. But still it's what I learned there is still relevant today especially when I change roles there's some bits I use um, day to day for example my the first job I had nowhere in that job description did it say I needed to know JavaScript <laughs> so normally the case isn't it because <laughs> that's the thing is like when you get into um you get your first job especially when it's like an entry-level junior role yeah they, they made it up at the top of their heads and they don't really know what they want that job to be anyway mm -hmm. and you start off thinking it's going to be one thing but it's actually something completely different so that's what happened to me so what um, is your role now what was it and what is it now so when i my first job in tech i did um i was a technical support engineer okay um I know it's, that's quite unusual because most people, after doing the coding bootcamp, they would become mostly a developer or they might go into another role. Mm -hmm. But for me, I went down the tech support route because of my transferable skills. I already had customer service skills, already had interest of computers anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was more like a sidestep into technology because I saw there was plenty of job opportunities then. Mm -hmm. So what I did, I narrowed it down to finding, finding a job where I can do this job, but then move into a development role at a later date. Um, so I did that for a year and a half and I had to learn JavaScript um, because no one had time to teach me anything. And I needed to use JavaScript in order to uh, write calculations for a client because it was a sports technology company and it would go into a form yeah so the coaches would have these mathematical calculations to do measuring um various sports exercises mm -hmm. and then you need to then convert that manually into javascript and it was difficult i found it quite difficult that sounds really challenging given that you're just in a boot camp <laughs> and then you have to learn javascript for a role where you wouldn't really expect it and then you have yeah. to, to do mathematical calculations yeah 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 because like quite often like i read on the internet it's like do you need to know any programming languages to be a technical support engineer and someone said no and i was like no i disagree with that i had to know that and then i learned more what i call like application type um, support 
um, role um, where I had to like know how to um, have knowledge of APIs, how to connect an API to a form and such forth. Again, no, nowhere did that was that mentioned in the job description. And how did you even find out about technical support engineers? Um, so I found out through talking to my best friend. Um, so after boot camp, I had difficulties finding my first dev role because this was like I graduated in September, yeah. and then coming up Christmas time, things slows down anyway. Yeah, definitely. So, and then also I didn't feel like I was ready to be a dev at that time anyway. So my best friend said, like, "Hey, look at my company. We have technical support engineers. Most of them don't have like a science degree or anything like that. They've done a career change, and it's something that." most companies can train you up on how to do it okay. so why don't you apply for those type of jobs because I think you'd be really good at it and so I thought well what have I got to lose nothing so that's what I did and applying for tech roles I got more job offers okay. so it was good to, like to be in a position where you have to choose between like two companies yeah yeah <laughs> So you did technical support and then you said that you've moved into a new role now. So what is yep. the role that you're in at the moment? Yep. So I'm, 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 I'm a junior operations engineer. Yeah. Um, so I started off as a trainee and then I graduated uh, last summer to a junior. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping by this time next year, I'll be a fully uh, fledged operations engineer. Oh, so I can work independently. <laughs> the thing that sounds that I quite like about your path is it's different to what you hear of a lot so a lot of the time you do hear about people going into software development or basically software development is generally what you hear yes it's really interesting to hear this other path of support and operations and stuff like that so in the role that you're in at the moment you've mentioned a bit about um how much you have to report to somebody or how much you're working independently and that sort of stuff um what is your actual role though so what are you doing in your role at the moment okay so for people who've never heard of operations engineer some might be more uh, familiar with the term devops yeah um which is more the culture and collaboration between like software development and the it teams so the main goal is to build, test and release more reliable and efficiently. So that's more the concept side of things. And as I'm still learning, I think most of my time is currently spent like with the maintenance side of things. So I'll be asked to do apply security updates to our WordPress sites. Mm -hmm. um, every now and again, the client will ask um, for the production database to be synced to their staging server. And sometimes I'll be asked to apply redirects from a page to another page. So that's the maintenance side of things that I do. Yeah. And also being on support, because I'm not just doing in-hour support, I'm also doing out-of-hour support every so often. Monitoring is important because once you have infrastructure up, you need to monitor it. Mm -hmm. um, so when that happens, I have to investigate alerts, for example, I might have an alert saying there's a high load on the instances and it's like, well, why is that? Yeah. Most of the time it's because like, it's just an increase of traffic. But again, you need to check if it's just an increase because of the users accessing it or is it an increase because someone's trying to hack it? Yeah. 
And then there's the other side where you have instances and you have to be the instance commander who take note of what what you're doing. So what, what what's happened, what it is you're investigating and to keep like a timeline so you can write an incident report at a later date. So for example, um, I don't know what an example was when uh, a client reported that their site was down and upon investigating, I realized their site was never down. It was um, still, it was still up, but it was only serving pages to some of their users. Um, but again, it's taken the responsibility to investigate, update the client and also do a report afterwards and also to sit down and initiate the um, instant uh, review meeting mm -hmm. so that actions can be taken if need be um, so that it doesn't happen again or sometimes recommendation might be to increase the resources to the client. Okay so how do you do that sort of investigation? What tools are available for you to do that sort of investigation? Um, so mo most of the times, um, so for example, the high load, I would, I would um, log on to the instance, mm -hmm. um, see what the average load is, or the quickest way, if, it's, if I've got more than one instance that's alerting the same thing, I'm better off going into the AWS um, management console. Yeah. So if I go onto the um, CloudWatch metrics, I can see straight away um, where the um, load is. And sometimes it's, it might be the database. Yeah. And then I can check to see like some, so some, some, some clients like um, that we work with, I know that they send like mass emails. So that would drive more traffic towards the database. Um, and then we do have other tools which I don't really use at this moment because I haven't needed to use it, um, such as um, Cabana is another way of searching um, for information. Mm -hmm. And then there is, um, I can't remember what the other one was, but the main thing is, um, if I do get stuck, I can escalate it to someone else. Okay, which is probably quite useful at this stage, isn't it? So yes. while you're still learning new tools and getting new exposure to different things, at least there's people around you that you can get support from. So that's really yeah. useful. Um, yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. I hadn't really considered um, operations outside of things like um, continuous integration and that sort of stuff. So it's quite interesting to have heard the other side of it and the uh, maintenance and support side. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so now let's have a little chat about the current world situation. So we know that we're in a pandemic, we've got yes. COVID hanging over all of us. Um, I guess, what are you doing to stay sane? Um, <laughs> how are you coping? How are you dealing with it? <laughs> Let's just say it's more of a work in progress. I mean, at the beginning, before the government declared the lockdown, my office shot like a week early. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't too bad then because the coffee shops were still open. So if anything, it felt like it's just another working from home day. So I would get up, do half an hour of Pilates, go for a walk, 
get my coffee, come back. If I was feeling a bit peckish, I could go down to my local cafe. So when the lockdown happened, yeah, I had to readjust because there aren't any coffee shops open now. Yeah. Um, so I think, so I think um, one thing I've learned is developing some kind of routine. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's getting up in the morning and doing half an hour of exercise, whether it's Pilates, going for a walk. I'm fortunate not to have enough space to have a rowing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I can't go out because it's raining, at least I can jump on my rowing machine and get my cardio in. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so easy to make to-do lists. Oh, yeah, don't do that. If anything, set yourself at least one or two goals a day and don't be hard on yourself if you just don't do that goal that day um you need to be more kind to yourself because like you said we're in a pandemic it's not a normal situation yeah um and also have a break when i mean have a break don't watch the news don't go on social media I know what you it's mean. okay um <laughs> news for weeks so <laughs> because you're just bombarded with what's happening and also how it's affecting other people mm-hmm. and you need to look after your well-being so I had uh, like a week where I didn't look at Twitter for example um, yeah. and and also if you do voluntary work don't feel bad if you can't do your voluntary work it's okay to take time out um and it's more about looking after yourself so I had to take a week out not being a I think I took about nearly a month out not being able to help out with coding black females Mm. um and that yeah um it was difficult for me to do that because it's like I was so used to you know contributing to that but I just needed that time out and I gradually I try at least do one task a week in contributing um, to the community group yeah I think it's really important to do anything that you can to look after yourself I think that's the most important thing if you can't look after yourself then you can't really do anything for anybody else anyway oh, so, no. yeah exactly you're the most important thing so I wouldn't never feel bad and I think that and I know a lot of workplaces are also encouraging people to take time out when they need it and making sure people take holidays and stuff as well yes yeah, it's really so I'm, I'm fortunate that my work supports that mm-hmm. and if anything what's been really helpful um, is that the manager director um, declared that we're no longer doing a seven hour day we're now doing a six hour working day and that that and that has helped especially those who have children mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people are finding childcare difficult and having to split, split the care responsibility with their partner so a lot of people they've had to uh, either compress the hours yeah. or um, do shorter days so that they can do work and also look after their children. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. That's a really good initiative, a good initiative to have in a, in a company, I think, as well. Um, have you discovered any new hobbies whilst you've been on lockdown? I know a lot of people have started baking. <laughs> but- <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a baking person. <laughs> I think, I think, one, yeah. So my relative asked me like what my hobbies were recently, and I, and I thought about it, and I realised I don't have any hobbies that doesn't involve a computer screen. Mm-hmm. 
so I thought well what what hobbies could I take up that doesn't involve a screen so I can have a little break and rest my eyes so I decided to take up juggling so I bought um, yeah I bought a set of um, beginners uh, juggling scarves because mm-hmm. scarves takes longer to fall than balls yeah. and also it's safer to do indoors and I don't damage anything so it's even better to start off with and um juggling scarves yeah so it's just a scarf uh, sorry I've packed mine away so I can't show you yeah um but that it's just scarves like three lightweight scarves fluorescent in color and you fold them into balls no you don't fold them in balls you just you just throw the scarf up in the air and oh. then catch it so you start off for so if in my mind I thought it makes sense to start off using scarves so I can practice indoors then when I get better at it, then I can progress to using balls outside. That makes a lot more sense than how I pictured it. I thought you were folding. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 yeah, that, that wouldn't work. It would just unfold itself in midair. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really understand how. <laughs> so that was my, that, so that's one hobby that I'm still working on. Yeah. And then my second hobby is um, lock picking. Um, so I started doing lock picking at work because, um, it was it was an activity on the, on one of our away days. Yeah, and I just got into it, um, and it was something that I just wanted to get better at. Yeah, um, and then unfortunately because of the pandemic, um, I wanted to attend the um, we there was a, there's a lot picking meetup group that I wanted to attend. Um, so anyway, so what I did, I bought a basic starter pack off Amazon. Okay. And within 10 minutes of receiving, I had unlocked all the three locks. <laughs> um, that easy? Like twice. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those ones where you just feel for it. Yeah. Um, so once you kind of understand how it works, it gets easier each time. Okay. So now I need to buy more locks. Um, but then I need to also get like a repinning set so that I can take the pins out of the actual cylinder. Yeah. So some doors will have five pins, some will have, and then I can adjust it to two so I can gradually build up. But the reason why I took up lock picking is it's just another form of um, problem solving. Yeah. And, and, and also it's the whole working out how to gain access, which I guess links back to, um, security yeah from a technical sense so and i and i and i find it's a nice way to just relax yeah it's really good that you found something that your day job kind of links so well to this thing that you don't have a screen for but it's still problem solving you're still having to use the same sort of skills so that's really cool oh that's fantastic well it's really it's been really good to get such an insight into you and what you do in your day job and what you're doing now that we're all stuck at home all the time constantly um do you have any last words anything you want to say to inspire other women other black women to get into tech and do the sort of thing that you do um yeah it's like have a go um i know a lot a lot of people say like I don't know where to start, where to begin, am I too old, da, da, da. like, no, you're not too old to begin whatever your age is. Um, where to start, um, I know um, in the last couple of weeks, I think, 
there was lots of resources um, to get started with. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still a lot of free resources online, such as um, uh, my has gone black now. <laughs> oh, is it Free Code Camp? Yeah, um, and a few others. yeah, that 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 they if anything that website has evolved since when I used it. Um, but it's a case of have a go and join our community, which is codingblackfemales.com. Um, because there you'll you'll be connected and you'll be able to ask these questions and people are more than happy to offer resources and people know where to get free resources from or recommend resource and who knows they might end up being a mentor so that that that's that's my advice oh thank you very much olivia it's been really good doing this session with you and um yeah thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening and thank you for having me To find out more about what we do, head to codingblackfemales.com.